Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here, as always, with my wife and co-host, Catherine Wild Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm very well. How are you? Are you doing well? I'm hanging in. My goodness, folks. We have had a week. You know, everyone's been out enjoying Thanksgiving week with their family and friends. Ours, I would say, less fun than most. It was a horrible holiday weekend. <laughs> so we're excited to tell you more about our horrible holiday weekend. That's a new children's book that we're writing, by the way. And we're going to get some great wine. And we're also going to talk about building and thinking about by the glass lists for restaurants. So lots to discuss tonight. But first of all, I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been listening. This is episode 10 of The Long Finish. That is awesome. We've done 10 episodes. That's so exciting. We have 290 more to go. Is that right? We're doing 300? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just play. Nothing else. We've made a nice um, thing for our kids to use in their therapy sessions. Exactly. Years, years now I'll now. really know my parents. Yeah, exactly. So thank you to everyone who's been with us from episode one. We're at episode 10 now. And I usually say this at the end, but I'm going to say this at the beginning tonight. Catherine and I love making the podcast, and we would love to hear from you. So if you have a chance to rate, review, and subscribe to the show at anywhere you can find your favorite podcasts. We would love a little love from you all. So if you have an opportunity this holiday month of December to write us a nice little review, we would love it. We'd love to get to 100 reviews by the end of the year. That'd so, be awesome. Yeah, so thanks for your time, and it's the last time I'll say that this week. But let's get into it. Thanksgiving. Supposed to be one of the favorite times of the year. We talked about it the last couple podcasts. It's a great holiday for me because I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan and we lost last week and we didn't play well at all. So that was disappointing. Then we have a great dinner. We had a really fun time at our friend's house. They had a great group of people there, friends and some family. They had wonderful food that they had been making over a course of days. We brought a few pies from Huckleberry, but it was like a small offering compared to what they had. It was beautiful. And awesome wines that they bought at Esther's. Yay. Yeah, thank, you. thank you, Michael Gross and Laura Miller for inviting us to your home and for your awesome taste in food and wine. That was the fun part. The food and the wine were excellent. The company was excellent, but then... It's not great when you drink a little too much, you know, and you're in the middle of the night like, ugh. But it's really not great when you drink too much and you have a vomiting baby at 2 a.m. Our poor child, our one-year-old, just came home and couldn't control his stomach. It's one of those things, it's really tough to watch kids be sick because they don't really know... It's a lot of, what's happening to me? I don't yeah, know why I, this is happening. It's so pitiful. You feel so bad for them because they don't know. And it is scary. So anyway, we had a long eight, ten hours of that. Yeah, followed by... Immediately doing the laundry in the in the middle of the night. Uh, first thing in the morning. And then... A tender day. Oh, things are getting better. Yet again. That night. The following day, the other kid gets sick. Then I got sick. One person. Did not get sick. One person in this family has the immune system of a mutant. <laughs> You're so weird. But I'm really, really grateful that mutant you Mutant immune system. Is that my new um, like vitamin C, like immune thing I'm selling to Whole Foods? Mutant immune. <laughs> Guys, uh, this I, holiday season, if you're feeling under the weather, go out and buy mutant immune. It's my new vitamin C... All-encompassing vitamin thing. It will guarantee 
to keep you I'm healthy sure and well. I'm sure they have that, that on ESPN, which is the difference between you and me. And so around Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend, um, our three-year-old gets sick. Saturday afternoon, my wife's like, I'm going down, Catherine. <laughs> it's happening to me too. It's like when someone gets bit by the zombie and they know they're infected and they're trying to work and then their arm just falls off. And that's, like, that's, what, that's what happened to But Catherine. they're still doing bedtime in the middle of that. They're going to the bathroom, getting sick, and coming back out going, okay, I got it. I got the baby now. I'll like, do it. But, babe, you lost an eyeball. That's <laughs> okay. I got it. And you're still not like you're still not weak enough to just collapse. You're like, I'm working through this. I'm working through this. So I went to the laundromat for the first time in probably about 10, 12 years, and you and I spent most of the day there. Just make sure we like did like a purification of our place. We did... I think in total nine loads of laundry there yes. after all this. Well, that's me just being a hypochondriac and make sure, you know, that I don't want to get sick. But um, it felt good to kind of just clean everything out and start fresh. Hopefully you'll be 100% tomorrow. I hope so. But I know your tasting notes are still going to be excellent. So There's always room for wine. I forgot to ask you quickly because our week was so difficult to rank the night we had tonight. We don't have to go into detail. Just give me a ranking. It's, I wasn't here for more. I was hitting golf balls, preparing for my first golf tournament in almost 20 years. How do you rank tonight? It was a two. Two? <laughs> it was terrible. The worst of our 10 episodes. It was awful. Wow. The only night worse than tonight was two nights ago when I was sick during bedtime. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed your golf. I'm so scared of playing this golf tournament. I've been asked by a family friend to play. So I, I was like, I know you're sick. I know our kids are sick. I know I took care of you yesterday. Can I please have two hours to go see if I can hit a golf ball again? So thank you. You're welcome. And I agree. That wasn't as bad for me. But the fact that I had to go back to the laundromat to look for some <laughs> missing blankets. Ladies and gentlemen, Catherine was like, I think we're missing this one blanket and this one other blanket that belongs to our, our youngest son. And I said, I never saw those. She says, well, can you go back and check? I go back to the laundromat and I never took them out of the washer. What's is funny about that is I looked at the same washer today and I said, oh my God, that's amazing. They have the same kid's blanket that we do. <laughs> it must be a really popular blanket. <laughs> and I just didn't think twice about it. And I was like, oh, hey man, cool blanket. We got it too. Yeah, because there were a lot of other families in there today. <laughs> Catherine says, I'm surprised by how many single men there are in the laundromat. I said, excuse me? What are you doing looking for single men? I don't know that they were single, but there were just a lot of men in there. It was weird. There's a lot of men wearing butterfly collars, <laughs> playing a little disco. Oh, just checking nuts. out the scene. Mm. No, it's been quite a week. I I'm just looking at this like one cumulative day. So I agree with you. Two feels about right. But um, next week, you know what we're asking for Christmas? One night of consecutive sleep. Yeah. What is your parental fantasy? One <laughs> night of sleep in my own bed by without anyone waking me up. We're not asking for a lot. We're 10 to 6. It's so reasonable. 10 to 6 sounds amazing. Guys, life is good. Marriage is good. These are the good times. Always remember this. Well, if you can't laugh about it, you're going to really go down. And we're going down. <laughs> we're going down fast. <laughs> Let's get into what the wine of the week is. What are we drinking tonight? Tonight, we have Poderi Cola, 
That's the producer. It's Barbera de Alba. Barbera is the Barbera de Alba is the grape and the region. Costa Bruna, which is actually a single vineyard that this is from, and the vintage is 2016. It's such a great wintry red. So plummy and blackberry, almost like some incense too. Really deep, like floral notes, anise. It's a perfect for a cold December night. The other thing about this wine is that it's such a pretty dark, dark purple color. We have a lot of light reds in the fall and in the summer, and you and I just often choose light reds. But this is a nice, nice change for us, and it's such a great wine for this season. No, I am excited to talk a little bit more about this wine, because this is a vineyard we've actually visited in Italy, and we had a really fun day there. And the story is quite cool to why we were there. So let's put a hold on that for a second and come back to... And I just want to add this real quick. We're talking right now. Uh, we're, we're taping this podcast about nine twenty at night, and Catherine is looking at the monitor <laughs> uh, in our in our kids' room because our youngest discovered at the doctor today. The youngest does have an earache, so we had to stop the podcast. Ear infection. Ear infection. Thank you. So we did have to stop the podcast in the middle to uh, attend to some crying. So this is what it's about. This, this is, is the real deal. This is right the real here. deal. Long finish. We've got wine. We've got the monitor. We've got the cell phone. We've got all our needs right here. A restless child on the monitor. Poor baby. So let's circle back to Padericola and, uh, and let's bring up the topic I want to talk about tonight because Padericola, this wine tonight, is on the buy the glass list at Esther's. And so I thought it'd be fun for the audience and myself to hear about how one goes about building a buy the glass list for a restaurant. So let's focus on Esther's and let's talk about what your thoughts were on building the initial list and how your ideas change to keep the ongoing list spinning at Esther's. Well, I think the list, just like a couple weeks ago, we were talking about building a wine list as a whole, that the by the glass list should be a reflection of the list as a whole. At Esther's, the essence of the list at Esther's or the wall at Esther's is that anything goes. It's kind of like a kid in a candy store for wine geek people. I love when people who have wine stores in other areas or psalms from other parts come in and they're like, oh, this is so fun. You have this, this, and they see new things and they're super excited to try because they already trust that we're in it with the fun stuff. There's a lean towards old world wines, a lean towards um, Italian, French, a little bit of the rest of the world, and then some California wine that's just kind of off the beaten path or always from producers that are smaller. So the by the glass list has to reflect that. And there's always great variety. So I think of it has to be four parts, sparkling, rosé, white, and red. The sparkling is usually minimum two wines. At Esther's, it's up to four wines. There's always something affordable. There's always something pink. There's great champagne. And then sometimes when we feel like that, there's something else, either a second rosé or a red sparkling red, something else that's fun. The by the glass list should be ever evolving. There's not like a scientific reason for a specific slot. It just that wine spoke to us and here it is on the list. For rosé, we started, I think, with just two rosés. Now, sometimes in the summer, we're up to like three or four just to have fun variety because people are down for that now. I remember when we opened um, Esther's, we had a debate like, do we bring a second rosé on the list? I know. It was really, I mean. And now it's can, like commonplace. We have you, two wine rosés minimum you right. know, in the summers. And that was four and a half years ago. Yeah. I can't even believe that. We did have a rosé out of Magnum when, he, when we opened. And now I think it's fun. We have. Pompanet, I believe. 
We did have the pompanette. That because it was it, people loved it. Yeah, people from loved Domaine Salos. That's right. Yeah. Um, so there's always got to be a Provencal or Provencal style rosé. We have that, and now we have magnums by the glass in the white and red section as well too. Just because I think magnums are so fun to pour tableside, and that is something that speaks to esters and what like a fun wine place and the atmosphere that it has. And then in terms of whites. We usually have five to seven whites. One white is skin contact white, so an orange wine. Um, and do, the- do you have any? Um, sorry to interrupt you, but do you, have, do you have any like big picture thoughts on like people who are maybe aspiring restaurateurs or getting to the wine business or wine people on how to think about building a wine by the glass list? Well, I think it should be. As I said, a reflect- representation, yeah, of the and so when you get more into the whites and the reds, you you start to think about what do I have for every person that's coming to my place. Sparkling and rosé is a little bit easier because there's just kind of you have three wines, you know, it's not a huge category. But for white wine, when you have six wines, you really have to think about it. So you think about body. You have lighter body white wines, and you think about fuller body white wines. You think about fruity, fruity whites, and you think about minerally whites. And then I think about making sure that the six wines are representative of places around the world. Unless my list was just focused on California or something. I want to have variety. So something's from France, something from Italy, something from California, something from Portugal. That makes it interesting as well. And then a gut check is, do I have something for someone who loves Sauvignon Blanc? If I don't have a Sauvignon Blanc, what do I have that I'm always going to recommend? Do I have something for a Pinot Grigio lover? If I don't have a Pinot Grigio, what am I going to recommend to that person? Do I have something for a Chardonnay lover? If I don't have a Chardonnay, oh, I always have a Chardonnay. Now, my Chardonnay might not be exactly what that person is looking for. You, have, the to, buttery... you have to decode it. Yeah. When we first opened Esther's, we had two Chardonnays. And sometimes we do now. But if we have like a more lean Chardonnay or Chablis or something like that, then I'm sure that we have a California fuller body white that has some oak on it that will substitute for the California Chardonnay. So then reds, right? Same kind of thing. Light, medium, full body reds. Also, the other thing that I didn't mention with that whites, but that's important is acid. You want a white that has low or medium acid, at least one or two of those because they don't have that pucker factor that some people really don't like. And then you want to have wines with higher acid. That's always my Achilles heel because I would pick every wine having high acid and I and I can't do that. That's that's very tough for me. That's an interesting way to think about it though because you're like, you know, you want to show wines that you love, but you have to understand that you have to kind of have the range for people's palates exactly i i mean i have to buy what i love but i can't buy what i want to bring home every night necessarily that's the thing about buy the glass list because you're buying more wines in bulk because you're going to move through them faster right oh yeah absolutely buy three to five cases at a time so it needs to be something that you're sure is going to have that following that person that comes in and loves it so for what I'm hearing is that the popular wines people come and ask for by the by the glass are, are Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, Pinot Grigio for whites. I would say those are the most common. I mean, yeah. those are international varieties that people know. That's something that just kind of everyone's going to come ask for. And for reds, that's going to be Pinot Noir, Cabernet Sauvignon. Sometimes people will ask for, sometimes, huh? people always ask for a Malbec. <laughs> um, hilarious that I said sometimes. 
Um, and then, then red, there's a lot more variety. You know, sometimes people ask for a Tempranillo or maybe a Syrah or red blends. People are all into the red blends. And then a variety of other things, which is great. But if you, as long as you have something for the people that an answer for those primary questions, that's what's really important. So reds, again, light and full-bodied, reds with high acid, and then reds with not as high acid. And then tannins a factor with reds too. You want to have reds that have some tannic structure because some people really love that and need that in a bold red. And some people don't love tannins and they want something a little bit softer. So this is great. This wine we're drinking tonight, the Poderi Cola, because it's Barbera, which is a juicy, medium-bodied red wine, but it feels full-bodied because the fruit is so dark and dense, and there's so many other things going on too. It has high acidity, but it doesn't have high tannin. It has low tannin. So it, it doesn't have that film in your gums or anything. It's really inky and juicy. It fulfills that bold red without being tannic. That's a nice slot. Can you remember when we opened Esther's, what you were targeting for the initial wine list? Did you just taste wines and you're like, I love that? Like, walk me through how you thought about the list. I mean, Esther's was the har- one of the hardest lists for me to make because it was like whatever I wanted to make. Usually there's some constriction from what the chef or the owner wants and there, or sometimes it's like a price range. Esther's is not like that. Esther's is like whatever I wanted to be. So that was so mind boggling for me. I mean, it was really hard. Because so, so, so how did how did you do it? I don't know. I just tried to pick the wines I was most excited about in that moment and knowing that I was going to switch it out all the time. Picking wines from producers that I love for a long time. Picking some wines from producers that I never tried and was just like, oh, this sounds cool. Like a Oki Albarino that I was like, this will be different. I don't know. You know, it was kind of all over the place. And I think that's what made it fun. And that's what makes it a wine bar too, is that some of them by the glass is a little bit like surprising and there's always some thing unexpected there i think that that's what makes it the list at esters that's what makes it fun well you know you and i go to restaurants and we look at the by the glass list first because it's a good indicator of exactly of what we think um uh the, the person who is running the wine program thinks of their program it's like is it fun are they taking some chances with stuff it's a good test way to see what the restaurant thinks about wine in, in complement to the food well, the Poderi Cola that we're drinking tonight is on the buy the glass list. Let's talk about the wine. So Poderi Cola is a producer in the Lange in Piemonte. Piemonte is in northwest Italy and it's south of Torino. It's the area that covers both Barbaresco and Barolo. Probably the most famous wines of Italy along with Chianti and Multipucciano and Brunello. Barbaresco and Barolo forever are Nebbiolo. But there's lots of other grape varieties grown in those regions and also just around. So whenever you order a Barolo, you know you're getting Nebbiolo as the varietal. As a grape But the varietal. region is Barolo. The region is Barolo. And Barbaresco, same thing. The region is Barbaresco. The grape variety is Nebbiolo. But around that region are so many grape varieties that people are familiar with or have heard of, like Barbera or Dolcetto or Gavi or Moscato. The region of Piemonte, these grape varietals have really made it across the ocean. Like most people in the United States have seen them before. So Barbera isn't too far off the map. It's pretty familiar, I would say. So this Barbera is from Podericola, such a, a lovely winery that we actually visited in um, 2000. 
14? That's correct. And we visited along with our friend, Ted, who is an importer. He runs a company called The Source, and he was looking at Podericola, thinking about if he wanted to import them to the United States. He had had a bottle at a party in LA and tried a few different wines from them. And so we went with him. We were traveling around Barolo with Ted and we're like, sure, we've never heard of this place, but let's go visit. But they'd been around for a while. It was started in 1994 um, by this guy named Tino Cola, who's from the area and worked there for a long time. But his brother was pretty famous um, and knew everything about. What's his name? His brother was Beppe Cola. We actually, we met his brother too. He, for a long time, ran Prunoto, which is kind of, was historically a big time winery in Barolo. And he knew every vineyard in Barbaresco and Barolo. And so he helped his brother buy some vineyards in the 90s. And then they started their own winery. They own land in Barbaresco and Barolo and in this area called Castine Drago, which is in Alba. This wine comes from Barbaresco, but it is Barbera grapes. So remember, Barbaresco is the region. Barbera is the grape variety. But it's Barbera to Alba because it's still in the greater region of Alba. And I think it's super special. They make a ton of wine at Podericola. They make Barbaresco, Barolo, Dolcetto. They make, I love the Dolcettos that they have. They have such a traditional and a really like very homey and sweet winery. Um, Pietro, who is Tino Cola's son, runs it now and he's just like so salt of the earth guy. We walked over all the vineyards with Tino and it was really a personal and special visit. I remember this very vividly. You know, we went to visit this vineyard and we met Tino and we walked up and over the hill that they have where the where a lot of the vineyards were or at least the property of where they hold their wines and make their wines and the one thing I remember is there's a little small shack that was kind of out in the middle of nowhere uh, amongst the woods and I said what is that and they said that's a house where people live when they hunt for truffles I thought that I was so that. cool yeah it so was cool. awesome and then we went and we had some uh went down to the village and we had this nice Italian lunch and you know I'd I've been to Italy once before but you know people this maybe you listeners are more sophisticated than I am but you know you people don't realize the difference in food within Italy it's not always just pasta northern Italy it's a lot of cured meats and it's a lot of cheese and we ate that so much and that was that day was no different a nice little village lunch where everyone was eating it was like a recruiting trip it was cool it was like you know Ted Vance of the source, who I called the Indiana Jones of wine, we'd be driving, looking at the vineyards, and we'd stop on the side of the road, and he would like pick up rocks, like he was doing, like the beginning of Indiana Jones. He was like, you know, waiting the the gold and trying to run away, and he was like feeling the whatever it was, the clay or the silt or the dirt or whatever was in his hand, and to watch these guys kind of like check each other out was. Very interesting and very unique, I think, in the experience because most of these importers already have a working relationship with people. And this is one where it's like, hey, I want, I'm interested in working with you. Let's see if we vibe. Let's see if we get along. Yeah, they're both just checking each other out. It was cool. And we were just kind of along for the ride and enjoying the wine. It was super fun. I mean, I was sitting in the corner just sort of like trying to drink the wine out of the straw. I was like, this is delicious. You know, this guy's amazing. Here we are five years later, and I would say that we consistently have had you know, some type of wine from Padere Cola in the store. Always and got the Barolos in the cellar for sure. Yeah, it's just part of this, that cool experience. So anyway, what kind of places this wine serve on the by the glass list? So it's in the red category, the medium to fuller bodied red that have lower tannin, but they're still 
you know, rich and bold. It really also fits the winter category. There's that other thing about seasonality. You know, I I don't change the buy the glass list like quarterly or monthly. We do it whenever we want. Also now, um, Elena Leiby, who is our sommelier at Esther's, has a big hand in terms of what we're putting on by the glass. And she's always has new ideas about what she, how about this? What do you think of this? I want to do this. Great. Let's do it. For me, the more the merrier and, and changing it up more often often the better just more fun and more interesting but this was like specifically a wintry red which it feels like it i think i've said that 10 times well we're in winter so it's a perfect time to say exactly. it exactly but who do you think is uh the drinker of this wine who comes in and says oh uh, i want to try a wine that fits this mold someone who's looking for a cabernet sauvignon might like this wine if they like if they're also in the mood or open to something italian so sometimes if somebody wants a cabernet or says no i just like a full-bodied wine okay well i have this full-bodied wine it doesn't have a ton of tannin like cabernet sauvignon but it's rich and bold they go for it other times someone who wants a chianti okay this is definitely totally different than a chianti but it still has lighter tannins and it's very Italian. Italian wines always have this Italian thing. And sometimes when you're in the mood for that, something else will substitute as long as it's from Italy. Do you know that feeling I'm talking about? So I would say this would be a great for someone who likes Malbec could be good. Although it has higher acid than a Malbec, it has that plummy fruit. It's round and it's not too tannic. Does Italian wines have sort of like an unbridled quality to it? I really don't know exactly the answer. For me, Italian wines always have this kind of dried herb thing to them and I also feel like I can always smell the cellar I don't even if it's like in (laughs) even if it's fermented and aged in stainless steel I'm like I I know the cellar's there it's a little bit harder with white wine I think both red wine I feel like I don't know I would love to like pull sommeliers out there and be like what is that thing we call oh it's Italian maybe that's what we'll do maybe yeah. you know to all the the psalms and wine directors out there maybe we'll pull you all and you know help us out help us figure out what makes a wine quintessentially Italian and it's that country more than any other that has this distinction I think I wouldn't be able to do that for every country like oh this is Spain totally I don't think I could do that so, but Italy for sure. So, and if you're thinking about coming in and enjoying this wine, what are some pairings? Or, or you want to take it home, or you you're out, you know, in local wine purveyors uh, across the U.S. and abroad, New Zealand, France. Thanks to all the listeners out there. What do you want to pair with this one? Well, you know, you were talking about great foods from northern Italy. I mean, talk about stewed meats. That is the home of stewed meats. So that's what I'd be thinking about for this. Your mom's brisket with this would be awesome. Or I would think, you know, it'd be good as like braised short rib or braised short rib with a pasta. Those kind of like richer meats that want something that's really bright and bold, not too heavy. This would be awesome. I mean, you're speaking my language with stewed meats and braised short rib. I'm sorry I don't have that for you tonight. It's okay. It's okay. You're not feeling well. Oh, tomorrow though. Okay, good. (laughs) Definitely tomorrow when you're back to 100%. Then I'll be cooking I know, I know, I know you will, babe. (laughs) I know. Oh, one other thing I wanted to bring up about this wine we have tonight. Sometimes the wines from this region need to be aged a little bit. This wine is 2016. Barbera isn't about to be aged. It's best to drink it within two to four years. 
Nebbiolo, yes, because of the tannic structure. It's super tannic. And so age helps soften and smooth those tannins and make the wine more integrated. Barbera, not a lot of tannin. It's meant to be drunk young, so it's perfect for drinking right now. That's great. Uh, any comps for this wine? Um, Can you think of a domestic so- comp for a Barbera? To local wine stores in Virginia or Nebraska or... These guys better have Barbera. They better have Barbera. They better have Barbera to Alba. They better have a Barbera. You hear that out there? So go out to your local wine purveyor and ask for Barbera. We're drinking 2016. Check our Instagram at the long finish. Look for the label and look for Padere Cola and ask for the Barbera to Alba 2016. Now we come to the final segment of the evening, which is what is inspiring us this week. Catherine, you want to go first? Sure. This week, I am reading a book that I'm really enjoying called The Lager Queen of Minnesota by J. Ryan Stradle. And I'm really enjoying this because it's a story about two sisters in the Midwest. And the parts about the Midwest are really speaking to my heart. My mom is from Indiana. I have lots of extended family in Bloomington, Indiana, and the surrounding area. I went to college in Indiana. It's just really a piece of who I am. And so the portrait of the Midwest in this book is both charming and funny. And it's just a reminder that I don't live there right now. Sometimes you get in so much in your own bubble, you forget that you're part of the culture where you're living. Oh, this is LA. This is California. We're on the West Coast. And you forget how different it is from other parts of the country. And so this is a sweet, sweet reminder of all those things I really love about the Midwest. Plus, the writing is really good and the storytelling is good. I don't know why, but recently I've just been on all these books about sibling relationships, which is just kind of funny. It's kind of so sweet to be reading these different books about people at different points in their life and their brother and sister. And then watching two brothers grow up together is it's cool. It's neat to think like how much of an impact that has on you your whole life. And it's such a different way than your parents. So I like that. So check that out. Uh, we'll put we'll post that on the Instagram story, the book that we're reading. You know, it would be fun if we started a, some sort of book club. I know that when you recommended three women, that if a few of our listeners picked it up as well. It's true. So, I know. You know, a pipe, you know, a pipe dream for you would be starting um, the book club uh, for Catherine Coker. That rivals Reese Witherspoon and rivals Oprah Winfrey. The both of their clubs are good. I know. You know. I know you like them. Mine is much more base and much more uh, widespread. It's the recent uh, premiere of the Disney Plus platform. Why am I inspired by that? One, because I'm excited to revisit so many of the, the movies that have been inspired me growing up. All the animated movies. Uh, you know, I think of Beauty and the Beast. I think of The Lion King. I think of Aladdin. But now I get to watch those again through the eyes of our three-year-old. And he had never seen a lot. He's, he's never seen a lot of the movies that we've talked about. I took him to Toy Story four this summer for his first movie experience. But he always talked about Lightning McQueen, Lightning McQueen. And he's never seen Cars. I'd never seen Cars either. So this weekend we watched Cars together, and it was super fun. And um, the next day, I know you watched Frozen with him. We did. We had a great time. And I know I heard you laughing a lot. You may even enjoy it more than him. So hopefully we'll take him over the holiday break to Frozen 2 for another theater experience. But Disney Plus is obviously a commercial venture, but it is pretty cool to see how they make so many good things and they're all tied to, you know, your sense of childhood and nostalgia. And now you get to see it through your kids' eyes. And I'm excited to rewatch a lot of the Pixar movies and see some of them for the first time. So 
All right, that's it. We did it. We made it 10 episodes. 10 episodes of The Long Finish. It's been fun. Hopefully, we're going to have many, many more for you. And starting in 2020, a small announcement, we're going to have some some guests jump on the podcast. So stay tuned for our announcement of who's going to be on the podcast in early 2020. Catherine, where can they find you and where can they find The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Weil Coker on Instagram and Catherine Weil Coker on Facebook. And you can find The Long Finish at The Long Finish on Instagram and The Long Finish on Facebook. And it's also at TLF Pod on Twitter. And you can find me at Tug Coker on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you everyone for listening to another episode of The Long Finish. Look forward to coming back next week. I think we're going to start transitioning into maybe some more festive holiday wines. Let's go! Sparkling wines. Bubbles. Some uh, great ideas for sparkling for your parties the next few weeks and also some maybe some gift ideas. So stay tuned for that. But thank you for listening to episode 10. And um, we hope to see you back here next week for another episode of Long Finish. And until then, thank you very much and happy drinking. Ciao.